0: Hi, I'm Jillian, and you're listening to the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast, where each week you'll learn tools and actionable tips for improving your relationship with food, your body, and yourself so that eating can feel easier. If at any point you'd like to learn more about my coaching programs, download free resources to support your progress, or just see photos of my adorable dog, you can go to www.bitesize.es to learn more. Thank you so much for listening, and let's hop in to this week's episode. If you have ever felt like you are alone in whatever struggle you're dealing with or like you're miles behind where you're quote unquote supposed to be, or maybe you felt like everyone else is doing XYZ thing better than you, this is your episode, my friend. And I want to start out with a story because I remember walking to the gym on my college campus. I went to UC San Diego and I remember looking at all of the girls on the various sports teams at my college and thinking to myself, why can't I look like that? And for most of my life, I was consumed by this desire for my body to look different. And I distinctly remember looking at the volleyball team's hamstrings. I don't know why I fixated on the hamstrings and thinking, damn, I wish my legs looked like that. But I already felt so far behind. I had never played sports as a kid and my diet basically consisted of various beige foods and rum and cokes. And Two things kept me going to the gym, even though I would look at everyone else there and feel like I was just wasting my time. And one, it actually felt really good. Every time I went to the gym, I felt really proud that I had actually said I would go and I had gone, even though there were... Millions of awkward moments where I had no idea how to use the machines. I would drop things and it would make a loud noise and everyone would stare at me and I would leave feeling so sweaty and in my eyes like absolutely gross looking, but it it felt so fucking good to move my body. And two, I believed that I could improve. I never believed I would be the strongest or the fittest, but I knew that next week I would be able to run 30 seconds longer than last week, or I could do one more rep, or I could add in just a few more steps throughout the day. And that honestly doesn't mean that every week I got better. Because it truly, when I think back on this, it actually took me three years before I could actually run a mile without stopping. But now I've been training consistently for almost 15 years. And that consistency has looked very different in different moments of life, but honestly I'm like, I'm not stronger than I was three years ago. I'm at. If you look at what my fitness level was three years ago, by all accounts, I've actually regressed in my training. But if I had let that mean that I should give up, where would I be now? And so in my weekly check-ins, I have a space for clients to ask questions they'd like to uh, get specific answers to or that they'd like to hear on the podcast. And one of my commitments for this year is to be better about answering these questions actually on the podcast instead of just responding to the client and their video feedback. So here we go. Here's the question. It would be really helpful to hear some examples of stories of how it goes for other people, like their progress, changes, etc., I think we always imagine that other people just choose to do things and then have linear progress, beating everything and getting to the finish line, grabbing the trophy and heading for their next goal. But I actually doubt that this is the reality and it would be great to hear a conversation about that with a visual of it painted. And then the client puts like, I'm imagining, imagining a timeline view, LOL. And so here's my response. And this is a response that can be applied not just to fat loss. This client is working specifically towards fat loss but really to anything in life. And whatever it is that you are working towards, what does an actual real messy honest process look like? And we kind of think that it looks like, oh, I just decide to do a thing and then I do all of the things that I need to get the thing done and then I get results and then I repeat that process until all of the things on my to-do list are just checked off. But what it actually looks like is you decide to do something. You decide this thing is important for me, I want to do it. And then maybe you put the thing off. You put starting off for a while because you want you get a little scared. You're like this feels hard. Then maybe you start doing the thing and you realize that there are all these components of the process that you didn't even realize. And so you might take a few steps forward and then you just get totally hit in the gut by something life throws at you. You get super stressed out at work or you get sick or whatever that is. And then you kind of feel shitty about your prog- your process because you're like, well, I was doing so well, and then I had all these steps back. And then hopefully you get over that. You make a couple steps forward, a couple steps back, over and over until maybe you reach the goal and maybe you don't. Maybe you decide halfway towards the goal that what you actually wanted was something completely different. And so the real answer to this question is there is no timeline for what results quote unquote should look like. And this is because – Each person has a completely different set of skills when they start and when they approach a new goal. And some individuals, for example, might start working on improving their eating habits and they might already have great cooking skills. They might already know what a protein, carb, and fat is. And others might be like, I want to improve my eating habits and I have no idea what a protein is, right? Or I've never cooked before. Each person also has a completely different set of life circumstances, Someone who works a a 50-hour-a-week job versus a student versus a working mom versus someone who runs their own business, all going to have completely different schedules, time availability, resources, and priorities. Another component is that each person also has a completely different set of beliefs and learned behaviors. Your past and what you believe about yourself makes a huge difference. Someone who approaches challenges with the belief of, this is going to be hard, but I can do it. Is going to approach a goal and approach the process towards that goal with a different view than someone who believes I really suck at doing hard things. And also each person learns differently. And so as we are working towards a goal hopefully we're learning stuff along the way. And each individual is going to learn in a completely different way. And so being able to understand that and work with it is also going to change the process. And honestly I could keep going. We as individuals are so different and this is why it's actually really harmful to see coaches or programs on the internet promoting a very specific outcome in a specific time frame. There is no way that anyone can guarantee a specific result and much less a result that has so many moving pieces. And that said, while there is way too much individual variation to say how long a process can take someone, there actually are quite a few similarities between all of us when we work towards a goal. And here are the two most important, in my eyes, someone else might believe that others are more important. I believe these are the two most important similarities. One, we change by feeling good, not by feeling bad. And two, we are all capable of change and what we believe about our capacity for change is important. And so let's break these down. When I say we change by feeling good, Not by feeling bad. This is kind of a simplistic way of looking at it. But if you want to go look into the different behavioral psychology models for change, go for it. I am taking this mainly from the work of BJ Fogg, who's a behavioral scientist uh, out of Stanford, and also the work of Brene Brown, which you know I talk about her all the time. And BJ Fogg in his book on tiny habits talks about how celebration is a really important component for change and how it can actually change our brains. He talks about how practicing feeling proud of yourself is not a result of changing but part like an intentional component of the change process. And so he refers to this as shine. And in the book he recommends mentally walking yourself through how you feel and what you do when you feel proud of yourself. And I work with a lot of perfectionists and the one thing that perfectionists have, well they have a lot of things in common, but one big thing is the struggle to acknowledge small progress and the belief that nothing is good enough unless it's perfect. And so what happens? So as a perfectionist you might hold back on allowing yourself to feel good about any progress unless it is exactly in line with the expectation you set for yourself. And this is really important, something I learned a few years back through uh, teachings of Buddhism, actually. And that is, is that the only time we are disappointed is when expectation does not live up to reality. And so reality, unfortunately, we do not have full control over, but our expectation, we do. And so here's some insight into the idea of we change when we feel good and how to use that. So think about how you speak to yourself as you work towards a goal. Do you keep your praise and feelings of pride on hold until you have some huge breakthrough or hit a big milestone or perhaps someone else actually brings it to your attention? And so if so, that holding off might be one of the reasons why you actually struggle to getting to the big milestones. And right now you might be thinking, Jillian, why why the hell would I want to celebrate myself for doing something small? I have a really big goal and I get that. So let's turn it around and I want to give you an example. Let's say you have a big project for work and every time you complete a tiny part of that project that is necessary to the bigger completion of the project, even if it's just a couple slides for a presentation, your boss tells you, hey, nice work. That's really coming together. How does that feel? Hearing each bit of the process acknowledged. Is it motivating? Is it validating? Does it make you feel like you want to continue? Or you could imagine boss number two. You're working on a big project and the whole time they're on you, they're saying, why haven't you finished yet? Wow, you're really going slow. Okay, cool. You got a couple slides done today, but Jean over there did their whole presentation. How unmotivated do you think you're going to feel as you work towards the end of that process? But… You are the boss in these scenarios, in your process towards whatever goal you're working on, you get to choose how you motivate yourself. And how freaking cool is that? And this is actually a practice that changes how your brain works because you remember how you feel after you do something and that can shift your motivations to do that thing again. That can actually make you want to repeat that thing. And so let's say you cook yourself an amazing meal and you think to yourself, oh, you know, this is lovely, but I should be doing this thing every single night. And that guilt that you feel for not doing it every night ends up overshadowing any pride you feel at making a tasty meal. And it makes you even less likely to repeat that meal. Not feeling good enough at something makes it so much less desirable to do that thing again, which is often what holds us back from being consistent at something in the long run. And so we think like, oh, my process just isn't going well, but really we're not allowing ourselves to feel like we are progressing, even if that progress is slow. And so the next thing I want to talk about is that we are all capable of change. I truly, honestly believe that. And what we believe about our capacity for change makes a big difference in how we change. So I used to think that I was just wired to lack self-control around food and that if there was something sweet in front of me, I was going to eat that thing no matter what. And for a long time, that was a self-fulfilling prophecy. But was it a fact that I had no self-control around food or was it a belief that I then supported with evidence and then turned it into a fact? And this has a lot to do with a term called self-efficacy. And so I'm wondering, have you heard about this? If you have heard about self-efficacy, you may have also heard about it referred to as self-belief. And it's essentially your belief in your capacity to act in the ways necessary to reach specific goals. And so you may have high self-efficacy in certain areas of your life and low self-efficacy in others, but overall, if you have high self-efficacy towards something that is that you can approach a new goal with the mindset of whatever this can take, I can figure it out. Or I believe that I either have the skills or can create the skills to figure it out. Whereas someone with low self-efficacy might say, like, oh, I'm just not cut out for this. I can't do this. Like, I'm just like this, right? And so I personally started out with low self-efficacy around my ability to control myself around sweets. But I was able to improve that self-belief Through shifting from I am someone with no self-control around sweets to I am someone who can learn to have self-control around sweets. So that increased my self-efficacy and also my brain started to look for evidence of learning instead of evidence of failure. And there are a lot of factors that can lead into the why behind having low self-efficacy or high self-efficacy around Your approach to a goal and maybe that was you know maybe you had amazing parents who were like you know what you are capable of teaching or learning anything Um, I I believe you can do this or maybe you were unlucky and you had a teacher who told you when you were a kid like no matter how hard you try you're never going to get an A in my class and we are going to talk about this a little bit later on and I want to share a belief that the most successful clients I have worked with have in common And that is when something happens to throw off their process, they are able to see that as an opportunity to find what they can learn from it. They understand that change doesn't have a specific time frame, and they're able to see their whole process in the context of their life, their long, long life, rather than a specific time frame. And on the flip side, the clients that I've worked with that struggle the most with change are the ones who usually want to achieve something and then move on. They want to fix a problem and then they imagine that that problem will just all of a sudden not exist anymore. And those are often the ones that give up on themselves because progress feels too slow. And I'm going to quote something I heard another coach in my industry, um, Emma, oh my gosh, Emma Story Gordon I don't know why my brain forgot that. And she talks a lot about like time is going to pass by anyways, so does it really matter how fast progress is? And you might think, yeah, it does matter, but you are literally going to wake up tomorrow no matter what, and so any progress is moving you in the direction that you want to go. And there's one really important thing that I want you to take away from this episode, and that is that no one moves smoothly from point A to point B when it comes to change, especially on their first try. And especially in the realm of what we do together in Bite Size Coaching where we're really working on your identity around nutrition and your body and how you see yourself. We're working on changing what you believe about your capacities and we're working on all of the tiny little behaviors and habits that are associated with that. And so you can kind of think about it like the weather. There are going to be rainy days. There are going to be things outside of your control that happen that can affect your process and how you feel. And there are going to be storms. There's going to be really tough stuff. And there are also going to be strings of sunny days in between. And so understanding how you approach those stormy days and how you approach those sunny days is what is going to support your, pro- your progress. If we only celebrate the sunny days and we don't celebrate like how you actually manage going through the storms, it's going to feel a lot different. And so let's talk about actionable tips. So if you can pause for a second here And maybe you're driving and you can't. I totally get that. But I want you to, if you can, write down a goal that you have or a change that you are working towards. And the first actionable tip is to identify your expectations around speed of change, your progress markers, and your ability. So identify what you believe you should be doing in this process. And bringing these expectations to the forefront and actually defining what those expectations are can help you manage them. For example, you might be expecting yourself to eat three perfectly balanced meals per day, but what I want you to ask yourself is, is this a realistic expectation based on my current baseline circumstances and knowledge? And while a successful process is going to challenge you, that is important, it's important that there's also not so much challenge that you're not able to live up to those expectations. And so ask yourself, do I currently have the skills, resources, or support I need to reach my expectation? If so, write down what those skills, resources, or support are and how, you, and how you want to use them. And if not, how come and how can you find those skills, resources, or support? Or how can you adjust your expectation to your current level of experience? And this brings me to the next tip. One of the most powerful tools for progress is to practice compassionate self-reflection. And this is not, I fucked up, I'm not where I want to be, I just have to do better. That does not offer you a strategy or a path to move from point A to point B. It just serves to further the idea that you are not good enough. And so in The Confident Eater, which is my group coaching program, I teach a framework called the IBC Framework, as a way to practice compassionate reflection and how to strategize for the future. And so the I is to identify what happened, the actual facts of the situation or struggle. Then the B is for brainstorming, brainstorming potential factors that contributed to that situation. And from there, the C is to create or to choose. So you can create or choose a new perspective and a plan. Using the information from what happened and why you believe it happened, you can then identify what you would like to do to support yourself for the future. And so, if you want more info on coaching, go to bite size.es, that's in the show notes. Next actionable tip. This is probably the most powerful actionable tip in this episode. And this is to start helping yourself feel good on purpose. And I'm not gonna pretend this is easy. If you've gone your entire life only acknowledging like big achievements, it takes a lot of practice. And at first it might feel silly. It might feel in, ingenuous, right? Like not genuine. And that's okay. You acting that way until it starts to feel genuine is important. And so think about what you say to yourself or how your body feels when you do feel proud of something. That can be when someone else acknowledges you, that can be when you acknowledge yourself. Let that feeling and those thoughts kind of wash over you. And what does it feel like? What does it sound like in your head? Do you do a little movement? Do you say something? And this this comes directly from BJ Fogg's Tiny Habits. And any behavior you want to continue doing, practice this feeling of pride afterwards. And you can also look at like setting up little rewards, maybe it's daily or weekly rewards. I recommend, especially if you're working on um, improving your relationship with food, not having like food-related rewards, having ones that are more related around, um, you know, how to – take care of yourself better, things that you enjoy, offering yourself time to like listen to your favorite podcast. Maybe it's this one, et cetera, et cetera. And then next actionable tip, work on shifting how you compare yourself to others. And anybody that says, oh, just stop comparing yourself to other people, like no. It is part of human nature to compare ourselves. But we don't necessarily have to compare ourselves in a negative way. Like I can look at someone and say that person is larger than me and it can literally mean nothing or it can look at someone and be like that person is larger than me and it can actually mean something about me and who I am. And so start identifying who you compare to and why and ask yourself like is is this a comparison that is actually fair? And usually it's not. So for example in the story that I told at the beginning I was comparing myself to girls who had played sports literally their entire lives. When I had just started exercising. And I, it, it, in the moment, it was kind of a negative comparison. So I was like, why don't I look like that? But it could have been sort of an inspirational comparison. I could have thought, wow, how amazing that they have that level of commitment to their sport. Like, what can I learn from them? But instead, I was thinking like, oh, this is so unfair. They're so far ahead of me. And so notice how you're currently comparing to other people and ask, how am I framing this comparison? And so last thing I'll say here before we wrap up. Remember that to do things many times, to be quote unquote consistent with something, and I talked about this in the last episode with Karin Nordine. If you haven't listened to that one, go listen to it. To do things many times, you have to do them once. Each repetition counts just as much as the last one and you get to learn from each repetition. If you go for a run, notice what worked for you about maybe the time of day, how you got ready for it, how you fit it into your schedule. You can also notice about how things didn't go well, and then you can learn about how to adjust it for the future. You can see what you want to bring into future repetitions of those behaviors. And honestly, we need to stop counting just the successful repetitions or just the successful parts of the process because you can learn so much from what doesn't go well, and this can help you become more resilient and shape your process for the future. So the answer to my client's question, (laughs) there is no timeline. What will take some people three months will take other people three years. What I can tell you, though, is that it is not the timeline for the process towards a goal that makes a difference. It is how you support yourself in the process towards those goals. So thank you for listening. Thank you so much. I am really excited. I am off to Costa Rica on Monday. Actually, no. Once you listen to this, I will be on the airplane or either in Costa Rica or on the airplane. And I might do an episode with my best friend there. Um, We have a lot to talk about that I think could be really helpful for you. So if you want to write me a message and let me know what you think. Should we do a Costa Rica episode? Um, Let me know what you think. And thank you so much for listening. If you are not already subscribed, hit follow so you don't miss an episode. And if you enjoyed this, go ahead and share it. Make sure to tag me or pass it on to someone that you think could benefit from hearing this. Again, if you are curious about coaching, you can find that at www.bitesize.es or through the link in the show notes. And thank you for being here. I will see you again next time.